listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Anyways, hey, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 28. And have, uh, if you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to have a copy of God's Word in your hands. The ushers are coming forward. And, and, and so as you're turning to Matthew 28, and, and if you happen to be typing and scrolling right now, to find it, we forgive you for that, uh, but uh, just get a copy of God's Word in your hand, and if you don't have a copy of God's Word at home, please take that home. That is a gift to you, and, and use that and allow God's Word to change and transform your life. But we take the Bible seriously here at Hope, and, and, and so we want to get our eyes on the Word. That's why it's important this morning. Don't get your eyes on the stage. Don't get your eyes on the preacher. Get your eyes on the Word of God, and we are praying that together with the Holy Spirit would get together with us and get our hearts with the Word of God. Amen? That is what is so crucial and so needed. I'm Meldon, and I'm honored to be uh, the senior pastor here at Hope. And we were away for a few weeks, and, and, um, and, and last Sunday we were still technically on holidays, and Charlotte said, what church are we going to go to? We were in Kelowna. I'm like, well, what other church would we go to? You know? and, and so we snuck in. We do what some of you do. You come late, you leave early. Uh, that's a bad habit to get into. Bad, bad, bad. But... Um, uh, but, but we came and we're so blessed. Um, and, and if you're new or newer to Hope, I trust that you along with the Hope family will be encouraged and edified and challenged and, and, and transformed and, and that you would be loved as we exalt Jesus and make much of him today and every day. That is what our desire is. And, and so, so I'm so thankful for a time away, and we spent a few days in Tofino, and you clue it. Did I say that right, Doris? Close enough. I butchered it. I was calling it Tofino and Eucalette uh, the whole time. Like, just, you know, I'm just like, I'm not going to try to say it right. That's too hard. And so we had some time there. Beautiful, beautiful. It was cool. It was rainy and misty. On the way home, we picked some, some blueberries in Abbotsford. If you've never done that, it's amazing. Just one, one handful in the mouth, one handful in the bucket. Uh, you might be a little sick afterwards, but it's well worth it. And, um, and, and then we were home for a little bit and back here in Kelowna and di- doing some yard work. And Charlotte went back to work sometime uh, for part of that time. And then we did a trip to the homeland to Saskatchewan, to the land of living skies. And, and there we visited, um, in this summer, we visited with 35 of our relatives on Charlotte's side. Uh, they're in Saskatoon, my side in Regina, and, and uh, we had a good time. And, and, um, and I'm so thankful for the crew that, that, that continue on here at Hope, that serve so faithfully, press on week after week, despite hot weather, computer meltdowns, overheating, tent set up, and now back in here. Just all of the work, the many faithful and committed servants who lead and serve in the various ministries throughout the week and on weekends here. Thankful for Brett and Todd and Glenn for faithfully preaching the Word of God uh, while I was away. We're just, we're, we're blessed, aren't we? We're blessed as a church and, and just so thankful for what he's doing. And, and, uh, and, 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 but right now, as we get 
get to God's Word. On the screen are a few key scripture references that are going to help frame the day. Now, I told you to turn to Matthew 28, and we'll be digging through that a little bit more in a few moments, but I want to just read some of these other passages here as they really will help to, to, to give us a reference for what we're going to be talking about today and in the weeks ahead. Matthew 16, verse 18. This is a promise. This is a statement from Jesus. So listen up. This is what Jesus had to say. And Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, the gates of evil, the gates of sin, the gates of, of, of uh, the evil one who wants to bring destruction will not prevail against it. Amen? That's truth there. That's truth. And then Matthew 22, 37, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So some key scripture references, and in a few moments we'll get to the Matthew 28 one. Now, we're going to be taking a break from the Gospel of Mark series that we've been in. We made it through the first two chapters, and, and uh, we're starting this new series for the next little while um, called Here is the Church. Here is the church, and it's based off, and you see the hands there, and some of you will know this, that nice little, kind of little poem, how does that go? Here is the church, here is the steeple, open the doors and see all the people. Well, it's kind of off of that, and, and just that little reminder that, that the people, the, the called out ones, we are the church. But there's a lot of confusion in these days about the church. Today and in the coming weeks, Lord willing, we're going to explore what God's word has to say about the church. What is the mission of the church? What is and who makes up the true church of Jesus Christ? And, and where do I fit within the church? Should I belong to a church? Or can I just be a floater, a free agent, a consumer when it comes to church? I want to bless many churches with my presence. Um, you can already tell by the sarcasm what the answer will be on that one. Um, what are the marks of a healthy biblical church? And who's really in charge of the church? These are just some of the things that I trust we're going to explore. Because we need biblical clarity in these days. We need it in a lot of areas, but when it comes to the church, this is primary where we need to have some biblical clarity. And as we head into the fall as a church, as life kicks in with school and busyness and other things, but church life kicks into full gear for discipleship making, for disciple making, we want to get some clarity in our minds and, and in our direction and as we look towards the opportunities that the Lord has for us in having some campuses or a campus or campuses, I don't know, we don't know, we're trusting the Lord. And when it comes to then church planting, all of this is, is, is important that we frame this all in Scripture. And, and now even the possibility, did you read it? Did you read it in the e-news? Did you read it? Probably. Probably not, um, sorry, uh, but you will now. Uh, the fact that an uh, offer went in on a church building this past week, and it's not First Mennonite. <laughs> How many times have we done that and told you about that? Um, read the e-news. Like, oh, I, well, I guess I will. And, and, and if you don't have the e-news uh, coming into your inbox, well, sign up for it. Get to it. And, and because really, even the building part, that's, that's super secondary. As you can see, we can have church out in a parking lot. We can have church in a hall. We can gather, and, and we're going to explore where can we have church? What is the church? But we need biblical 
clarity in this because there's so much confusion. There's so many thoughts and opinions and, and diversity. And sadly, there's a lot of false teaching and concepts when it comes to the church of Jesus Christ. And if we're not careful, we can become complacent in our thinking and, and, and become distracted and get lulled and lured into the thinking and to rationalizing things that can lead us and lead our family and lead others astray. And so it's vital that we know what God says when it comes to the church of Jesus Christ. So what constitutes a church? What about home churches? We hear a lot about that in these days. You may have heard about deconstructing one's faith or deconstructing the church. Or perhaps you've heard about progressive Christianity or progressive churches and people who market themselves as a progressive Christian or a progressive church. Which on the surface... Some of these can sound good, innocent, and, 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 and they're asking some good questions and, and, and that. Uh, but, but these schools of thoughts and these groups can easily, and, and many of them already are, have become dangerous to biblical Christianity, causing people to abandon their faith altogether. Or what about a reaction church? A group of people gets upset in their church because of leadership and their decisions, and so they leave, and, and then they appoint pastor and an elder, and, and they kind of start up another church. What about that? Where does that all fit? Is that okay? Or the statement I hear all the time, and no doubt you have as well, I love the church, or I love Jesus, I just don't like the church, or I don't need the church. Or perhaps it's because you've been hurt by the church. I can live stream. I have a phone. I have a tablet. I can watch on my big screen in my living room and invite a few other like-minded family or friends over, as well as maybe some seeking neighbors. And, and that's my church. That will be my church. Hmm. After all, where two or three are gathered in, 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 in his name, there he'll be. Well, sure, if you want to take that verse out of context in that regard there, and, and, uh, and, and so you can cling to that and cling wrongly to God's word and to that, that line. Biblically, every one of these things I've just mentioned can be very concerning, just in the same way that a gathering like this can, can be concern, concerning if we are not following the right teaching and direction and, and, and doctrine from the word of God. And there's no way that we here at Hope Church have figured out that we have it all figured it out and that we've, we, we've uh, reached um, some uh, place of perfect understanding when it comes to the church. No, we, we need to keep digging into this. And so some of you might think, wow, are you going to address all these topics in the next number of weeks? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Uh, some of them for sure, but what I'm really hoping is we're going to address a lot of the key texts regarding the church, and as we regard this, we're going to have biblical clarity, and so you are going to be able to also discern whether or not certain practices or certain things you hear or, or thinking about, we put it through the grid of Scripture, and so it's important that we do that, and so we need to look at and grow in and commit to the real church, to what Jesus calls us to commit to and to be a part of, and not the distractions that could lead us off course or that could be outright counterfeits. We have to be so careful. And with the society, let's face it, a society that is so confused about everything these days, isn't it? 
We have a society that is so confused. The church of Jesus Christ is one institution we cannot afford to be confused about. We need biblical clarity, and so let's be trusting God for that. You see, we believe that God is up to something special here at Hope Bible Church, and we're thankful to Him for that. And much for, much for us of that excitement has, has been as a result of just us continue in, in the position of, God, we don't know what we're doing, but we're going to trust you. We need to trust you. And so we are calling out to him for that, and I trust you would do the same. It's not us trying to be here at Hope, a cool or a hip or an edgy church. Um, good luck with that, especially with me as your pastor. You're not going to be cool, hip, or edgy. Like, we want to be faithful. We want to be faithful to the Word of God. And, 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 and as we're faithful to the Word of God, we need to, as we look at His Word, would we look at our lives, would we look at our thinking, would we look at our priorities, and would we correct and change and repent and renew our hearts and realign and rally together so that we can glorify God? and be effective in the mission that God has called us to. Individually, each one of us, you, if you are in Christ, you've been called to be on mission for Him and for us collectively as a church, so individually and collectively. So today already I read from Matthew chapter 16, which is that key promise that Christ is building His church and even Satan and his forces will not be able to stop the true church of Jesus Christ. And in Matthew 22, he sets the priority of our hearts. He sets where our heart, heart focus ought to be, first of all, in loving God and having a love for God with our heart, with our mind, with our soul, that we love him. And out of that love for God, we have a love for others. And now we turn to Matthew 28 to see the mission of the church. So this is critical. And if you want a title for today's sermon, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to be taking notes because there's some important things we're going to be talking about. It's called mission critical. This is mission critical today. And, uh, and so we're going to see what is so critical for us here in Matthew 28, starting at verse 16. Follow along in the word of God. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when he saw them, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." Here we see the mission for us as disciples. And for us as disciples, we are part of the church, the body of Christ. This is also the mission of the church. And so we take these three passages, and even for us at Hope Church and the churches in the Great Commission Collective, 150 of us worldwide and growing, there are more church plants coming online um, throughout the world and even here in Canada in, in the coming months, and we're excited about that. But here is our mission statement, and some of you would know it. I didn't, we didn't even have it up on the screen because I hope that you're getting to know this and, and you hear it often to glorify God through the fulfillment of the great commission in the spirit of the great commandment. To glorify God, ultimately, this is for God's glory. No church, no pastor, no, no, no church network to glorify that God would be glorified in the fulfilling of the great commission is what we just read about here and we're going to dig into today. And in doing so in the spirit of the great commandment, that it's out of that spirit of a love for God that, that pushes us and propels us into a love for others. 
Now here in Matthew 28, just the context of what's happened here, Jesus, this is after the resurrection and just before the ascension. After Jesus rose from the dead, he was around uh, for 40 days making appearances, even at one point appearing to 500 people at one time. And, and during those 40 days, he made those appearances, but now he's meeting to, with the disciples. This is just before he ascends into heaven. And it says, what, what do they do when, when Jesus comes? This is strange. They, they, they weren't doing this before, but now we see that when they came to Jesus, what did they do? They worshiped him. And I love the honesty of God's word. I love just how raw and real it is. And what does it say? But some doubted. Some doubted. They worshiped. But some doubted. Even after all they had seen Jesus do in miracles and the cross, and now the resurrection, they saw him dead. They knew he was dead, lights out, flatlined, gone, and now he's alive. And yet it says still that some doubted. Maybe you're here today and you have doubts. You have doubts about Jesus. You have doubts about God's word. You have doubts, confusion, disillusionment over what is going on in your, lo- going on in your life. You may have confusion and, and disillusionment about church. Hey, I want you to know you're in a good place. I want you to know you're in a good place. And I pray and hope and trust that we can walk alongside you, that it's okay to have questions. It's okay to have doubts. It's dangerous if you stay there, though. Let us walk with you, and let's walk with one another and grow and learn together. And so if you have, if you are a doubter, if you are a worshiper, here they are, they're worshiping. They're in the right posture. They're in the right posture for worship. Even in their doubts, they're worshiping. And you're going to end up seeing that these disciples, you know, like t- 10 days later, oh man, they're in. They fully get it. But it wasn't immediate. It, here they were doubting. So even with our doubts, we come to Jesus. Even in our doubts, we worship. And so if you're a doubter today, welcome. You're in a good place. Let's learn and grow together. In verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Here he is saying, I'm God. This is, this is him dropping the hammer. He never did that in his earthly ministry. He didn't stand up, hear ye, hear ye, listen to me, for I am God. I am the Son of God, listen to me. No. But here he's dropping it. Here he's pounding it and he's saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm God. I'm the Son of God. I did all that my Father asked for me to do. The rescue mission has been complete. I'm the sovereign one. I have authority. It's all been given to me. So listen up. Pay attention. This is what Jesus has to say. Because you know what? Jesus is king, isn't he? Is Jesus king? Is Jesus king? Yeah. He is king. But is Jesus your king today? Is he your king? Amen. But let me finish. (laughs) Or are there other competing kings and kingdoms in our life? Like king money. Like king career. Brett, I just couldn't help but think of your... Where's Brett? I couldn't help but think of your last name during this when I've been kind of giggling to myself. Or king leisure. Or king... Not that you're into leisure. um, But... (laughs) 
and, and then I was thinking king family, because our family can become king in our lives. Or king me, I'm the one that calls the shots. Yes, I love Jesus. Yes, he is my Lord and my Savior. No, he's not. If you are king of your life, he is not the Lord of your life. You are. He is king. Is Jesus king? I trust that he is. If he has saved you out of his love and his grace, our grateful response to that. I mean, this morning I couldn't help but keep thinking those crazy songs that we kept singing of what he has done for us, that rescue mission of what our Lord and our Savior did. And we went to the cross for my pathetic life and my pathetic sins and doubts and failures. In response to his love and grace, in response that he conquered as king over sin and death and the grave and the attacks of Satan, that he took it all for me. In grateful response, our response ought to be, and so often it isn't. Jesus, I'm yours. We have so many competing kings and kingdoms and distractions that compete with King Jesus, his rightful place. So here is King Jesus laying out the mission. And I trust that even today we would realign, that we would confess, we would repent of these competing kingdoms and kings in our life and rally around King Jesus. And if we're doing that today, then this is what he tells us to do. This is mission critical. He's saying, get a hold of this, disciples. He's saying that to his disciples then. This is for his disciples today. Christ follower today, Christian, disciple, whatever you want to call yourself, as a follower of Jesus Christ, this is mission critical. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The first thing that we see here in verses 19 and 20, we see that there is one verb there is one verb. Now, there's a lot of action words here, but there's one verb, and the verb is make disciples. The other words, the going, the baptizing, the teaching, these are all participles. Didn't you love high school English? Oh, put a cigarette out in your eye, kind of painful, um, that, that English was, I'm telling you. But, but this is important to know that there's one verb, it is to make disciples. All the other are supporting the main verb. That's what participles do. The verbs, um, these participles of going and baptizing and teaching. This is our mission, is to make disciples. And today we are going to divide the mission. We're going to see it here in four parts. And the first one is found in verse 19 to mission critical, which is to make disciples. And here is how this is to happen. First of all, the lost saved. To go out and to see the lost saved. This is the going. We are all missionaries. We are all to be missionaries. Missionaries are not just people who go out to foreign countries for a number of years and then come back and raise some more support and go back, back and forth kind of thing. And we're there, we're praying, we're supporting. We are all called to be missionaries. As a Christ follower, as a disciple, by default, we are missionaries of Jesus Christ. We are called to go and tell Go and tell others. How many of you are really gifted at losing things? I have to have my hand up because I am constantly, as my family, 
as the church staff, as the ushers, as the greeter teams, especially on a Sunday morning, all know that I am so good at losing or misplacing my keys, my phone, my wallet, my Bible, all of these things sometimes all at once on a Sunday morning and throughout the week, right, Charlotte? So true. Rarely a Sunday that goes by that, that I mean, I am getting help in something that I have misplaced. And, and when you lose something that is valuable, something that's important, especially when the service is starting and I can't find my Bible and my sermon notes, there is some panic. And there's an all-out attack to find it. And I'm empowering and igniting others. Find my Bible. Did you see it? Did you, did you take it? Maybe somebody picked it up wrongly. You know, all of these different thoughts. Are going, you become obsessed with something that is lost. And when you lose something that's valued and important, there's some panic and you set out to find it. And suddenly it becomes your number one priority. Remember a number of years ago, we, were, we had moved into a new house. This was when we were living in Alberta, and we were doing landscaping. Both of us were laying sod that, on this one particular day, and, and all of a sudden, it was the evening times. We were getting the kids to bed, and Charlotte, all of a sudden, she came to me just panic-stricken, and she said, the diamond fell out of my ring. It's gone. And I'm like, well, you better find it, girl. I paid good money for that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We both were like, I mean, that became like, who cares if the kids were crying for something? It's like, you keep crying, we have a ring to, a, a, a diamond to find. And it was a pretty good sized diamond. Um, and yet small enough that it would be hard to find. And remember, we prayed and we, were, we, we, we then were like setting to like, okay, we got to find this. And we're thinking, do we rip through the trash? Because we're retracing everything Charlotte had been doing that evening. And she had done, the, I think, had taken the trash out or put something in the trash or whatever. And I'm thinking, well, rip through the trash. We'll rummage through it. And, and, and just, but what if it's out in the sod? What if it's out there? What if it's gone for good? And it wasn't very long. And all of a sudden, one of us, we couldn't remember this morning. I guess that's with age. One of us saw the little sparkle under the kitchen counter, I mean, big sparkle, under the kitchen counter, and there it was, and it was like, oh, search over, we found what was lost, and we were like, oh, thank you, Lord. Yes, these things can be replaced, but there was, there was, there was heart that was in it, there was something important. When it comes to human life, you can't replace, though, a human life, you can replace a diamond, you can replace car keys, you can replace even your phone, but you can't replace a human life. And lost souls, lost lives matter. That's why Jesus came in Luke 19, 10. He said, I came to just kind of jolly well, kind of go through, you know. No, he came to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission. This was mission critical for Jesus. Now we have King Jesus telling us, mission critical for you, seek and to save the lost to make a way to share the truth, to see spiritually lost, dead souls be found and be made alive. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, the servant king, this is our mission critical. We are to share and witness, to in, in, we invite, we love, we serve people who are lost, people who have spiritually flatlined, they're dead, and we bring the gospel to bear upon their hearts. They need to know that they can be reconciled with God. Do you know that, that, that so many Sundays here at Hope, there is the gospel call that is given, there's the explanation of the gospel? Twofold, two reasons why we do that. 
because we don't know if there is someone here, and chances are great that there are those Sunday after Sunday who do not know Jesus Christ, and they need to hear the gospel call. They need to hear how they can have peace with God, have relationship with God. So we want them to hear it. But it's a rehearsal for you so you can hear it from different angles, different ways, but the core principles of the gospel so you don't, oh, here he goes on the gospel call again. No, it's so you hear it, so you learn it, so you can share it with those in your life. And people all around us need to know that Jesus loves them regardless of their past, that he can and will forgive them, that the stains in their lives can be washed white as snow. And he wants them. They need to know that he wants them to be in his eternal home in heaven. They need to know that Jesus made a way for them. That for all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved, will be rescued. They need to know that Jesus came to seek and to save them. That he left, and here's the gospel call, that he left the glory of heaven. As the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, fully God, fully human, comes to this earth lived a perfect life and died a substitutionary death on the cross, willingly going to the cross so that we could be forgiven, paying the debt that we deserved. And then he died, meaning that the debt was paid. And then he rose again and he said, sin and death, you have no hold on me. I have the keys to the kingdom. I am the conquered king. And so when he rose again, in victory, he shows us that we too can rise in victory from sin and from defeat and from discouragement and ultimately from death, and we will rise in victory. When a person understands and receives what Christ has done and receives this personally into their own lives and saying, I'm done with my own way, I'm done with my own way to try to find God, I repent and I turn to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I'm making him my king. When a person determines that in their heart, they are saved. The lost becomes found. The dead becomes alive forevermore. And if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do that today. When we go to worship in a few moments, there's going to be prayer partners up here all during communion and even after the service, you come to them and say, I need Jesus, help me. They're here to pray for you, with you, with, with anyone who has various needs and especially for those who need Jesus. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, we love, we worship, we serve King Jesus with our heart, our soul, our mind. And out of the outflow of our love for Jesus, we then go and we tell others. Oh, church, Hope Church, would the love of God be growing and deepening in our hearts and would the gospel continually be on our lips. And so the first, first part here of the mission is seeing the lost saved. But then second of all, the saved matured baptizing them, it says, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Look at what it says, baptizing and teaching. Baptism is the first sign, is the first fruit of obedience for the believer, believer in Christ. Baptism doesn't save a person. It is an external symbol of an internal transformation of the heart. It's an identification with Jesus. And sadly, baptism can become a huge stumbling block for people, and that ends up meaning that their spiritual lives are stunted. And, and it becomes a stumbling block because the, and the enemy just loves to cloud the issue, loves to halt one's obedience 
in this area, whether it's the fear of, public, uh, of publicly declaring their faith and being baptized before family and friends and before the throngs of heaven, or whether it's the fear of family members of what they might say or think because of various other religious traditions, yet God's word is clear. The New Testament pattern doesn't need to be improved upon. We see repent, believe, get baptized. That order. And baptism leads, means literally to immerse underwater. So we practice that. That's what we do. First step, first line of obedience. But then it also goes on to say, talk about <clears throat> teaching. So there's baptism, but we also see teaching. Verse 20, teaching them to observe. And that word observe means to know and to live all that Jesus has commanded. Has anyone mastered this? Has, any, has every, anyone here mastered all of the commands of Jesus and knocking it out of the park? No, none of us have. This is a lifelong process. We're prone to wander, prone to battle, prone to struggle, prone to pride. This, is a, this growth in Christ is a lifelong process. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16, I encourage you to read that this week. The Apostle Paul is writing about growing and maturing and being strengthened and equipping the saints. He's talking about that so clearly here. And the common thread throughout those 16 verses is the Word of God and how the Word of God equips and strengthens and teaches and helps us. And, he, and, it, and, and the reason for this is, he says, so that we are not tossed to and fro by every wave of teaching. There are wolves outside the church looking to devour believers. There are wolves from within the church that are also looking to deceive and devour. And so we need a process of maturity. And, and, and the context we see for maturing believers in Jesus Christ is in the context of the church that is being biblically led, is under biblical authority. And our focus at Hope Bible Church is depth and not breadth. All right? Does that make sense? That our focus isn't the quantity of disciples, it's the quality. You can do all kinds of things to, to, to draw a crowd, but we aren't interested in drawing a crowd. We're interested in making disciples. This is mission critical to see the lost saved, but then to see the saved matured and maturing. But then thirdly, we see the matured multiplied. And so sadly, many churches end at step two and don't go into step three or step four. Step three is the matured multiplied. Many Christians, churches, small groups, Bible study groups conk out at this step. We're saved, we've been baptized, we're growing, we're learning, we have the same holy huddle that we've had for many years and we're going to stay here until Christ returns or he calls us home. Amen. Sing glory. But notice Jesus didn't say make disciple. He didn't say make a disciple. He said make disciples. It's ongoing. It's lifelong. It's cyclical in nature. The follower of Jesus Christ, the small group, the leader, the pastor, the kids worker, the usher, the elder... We all multiply. We are to be multiplying other disciples. We invite, we coach, we train, we do life together, we disciple, we mentor, we counsel, we challenge, we delegate, we entrust to others the word of God and the work of God. 
And we need to be pouring into others. And we need to all be learning from others because none of us have arrived. In a spirit of humility, we all learn from others. But in a spirit of humility, we also impart what we do know and what we can, can into the lives of others. Two Sundays ago today, we were at the church where I started out in ministry in Saskatoon. It was where Charlotte and I met. Um, it's where um, her parents continue to attend. And at the end of the service, I talked to the oldest son of the senior pastor who I started out in ministry with, with like 30 years ago. I know I don't look it. <laughs> I know because some of you say that was 50 years ago. No, about 30 years ago. And, uh, and I started out as the youth, young adults pastor, and I, I really had no clue what I was doing. Yeah, I was college trained, but I wasn't trained. And he told me how Pastor Regeer, now 92 years old, is really struggling in his mind. You know what that means. And I told his son, who just recently retired and moved back to Saskatoon, I just thought, I need to let him have it. And I said, you have no idea the impact that your dad had on my life, that your parents had. Together they planted four churches in Saskatchewan. I mean, one church has pretty much killed me. I can't imagine him planting four churches in his ministry. This was the fourth church that I was at, that I joined him at in that work. I told him that so much of what I observed and learned from him in those five years that we were together so greatly helped and set the heart and the direction for me in ministry. And I told him, and now there's this church in Kelowna that is being built on a very similar foundation and with a heart that he instilled into me some 30 years ago. I texted his son yesterday just to make sure that I got some of the facts correct. And, and I mentioned that I would be talking about him today. And here was his son's response. The dad of a few years ago would have stated he was a mere servant and would feel very uncomfortable with any compliments or accolades. Just a servant, a servant of God doing what God called him to do, making disciples, seeing the lost saved, the saved matured, pouring into the lives of others. That is what God calls each one of us to do. Then we were in Regina, and we, my dad said, let's go to the uh, farmer's market Wednesday at noon. So we said, sure, let's go. Charlotte and I are walking down the farmer's market. Some young guy comes up to me and says, hey, are you Meldon Lutzer? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, are you a police? Uh, yeah. uh, why is that first reaction? Anyways, um, he... And he said, um, and he introduced himself, he says, I'm Curtis, and he gave me his last name, and I'm like, no way. He was a good friend to, my to one of my younger brothers, and so we talked a little bit, and then I said to Curtis, I said, hey, Curtis, you need to know this. Your dad was my junior high Sunday school teacher, and he was terrible, of a, terrible at teaching. I mean, he would read the lesson plan and oftentimes struggled in his reading, and there wasn't a lot of life in his reading. I told Curtis this, I told him, I said, he wasn't very good at teaching. But you know what, that guy stuck with us junior high boys, and he loved us. He stuck in there week after week for two or three years, and then even continued, we didn't even, told, we graduated out of there, and he continued on. 
And I said, the thing that stuck out the most was that he loved us. He loved us energetic. Some of my friends were really energetic and bad, and I tried to help the teacher as much as I could. <laughs> and it didn't always go so well for us, uh, but we tried. And yet this young boy needed to hear that it was the love of his dad that has now propelled me to give me, I, I trust, a love for people that I saw in Howard, what I saw in Pastor Year, and what I've seen in so many throughout the years that I see happening in the heart of this church. We keep going. It's hard. It's hard. People will frustrate the snot out of you at times, and, <laughs> and you will frustrate the snot out of other people too. And so who are you pouring yourself into? Who are you multiplying? Who are you discipling? Do you have a teachable spirit? Or do you think that you're God's gift to this church? If you think you're God's gift to this church, please, the exit sign's right there. The light's on. Take it. None of us are. None of us have arrived with the spirit of humility. We just want to serve and love and lead in how God has gifted us and wired us for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. The mature multiplying. It's mission critical. And then the fourth is wraps it all up and, and because this is the heart in which we do it. All for the glory of God. For years, I've heard and I've made this statement. God's work done in God's way won't lack God's supply. You've probably heard this many times from various pastors or authors. And I've seen God's faithfulness come through. But here's a slightly different focus on it. God's work done God's way won't lack God's power and presence. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, you commit to this. You commit to a life of disciple making and, 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 and getting out there and seeing the lost saved and the saved matured and the matured multiplied. You, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will, my power, my presence will be with you. He says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When our lives and church is truly about God's mission, God shows up in power with his presence and he is with us. When we align, rearrange our lives around his mission, his power will never fail. When we align our time, our treasure, our talents around his mission with humble, God-dependent hearts, God uses that and God shows up and he empowers and the lost are truly saved. And the prodigal comes home. Addictions are broken. Marriages and families are revived and, re and, and united under, uh, under Christ. Look at the promise of what happens when we live out God's mission. When, when we see Lost, saved, saved, matured, matured, multiplied, all for the glory of God. Look at what it says in Ephesians 3.20, verse on the screen. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that you ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory. Where? In the church. Where's God's glory? In the church. When we are living our lives on mission for him, and we're living under his control, his direction, his glory is in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And the enemy is working so hard to get people outside the church, to become disillusioned with the church, divide the church, bringing deception and false teaching into the church. But God is saying, I'm working, I'm moving, my power, my presence in the church. Get on my plan. Get on my mission. Come join the church. Don't float around. Don't consume. Join the mission of God. And all God's people said, Amen. I like how Vody Bachman said it. 
And all God's people said, amen or ouch. I trust it's amen. Let's bow our heads. Just before we pray here and get ready to partake of the Lord's Supper and as the band comes, as a prayer partner comes, as these prayer partners are here to pray for and with you during this worship, during the communion time, during um, uh, the time in between services, they're here to pray for you and with you. With heads bowed, just like you to consider these few questions. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Have you committed your life to Jesus as king? Are there competing kings and kingdoms in your life right now that you need to confess, repent, and run from? If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, is there an area of obedience that you've been putting off? Baptism, another area that the Holy Spirit's been laying in on you and you've just been ignoring and running and saying no. Repent and commit to say yes today. Is there a pattern of maturity and spiritual growth in your life? Are you in biblical community? You need that in your life. You can't be a, a floater, a lone ranger, and just think you and your Bible are enough. We need the body and the bride of Christ. Commit to spiritual growth this fall. Who do you need to share the gospel with this week? Who do you need to be pouring into? Discipling, mentoring. Who do you need to be learning from in humility? Lord Jesus, you came, you loved, you died for us, for the church. And now as your sons and daughters, God, and brothers and sisters with Jesus Christ, we have no greater privilege or priority. May we love one another. May we love the lost. May we love the church, warts and all. But more importantly, may we love you. Do this work in us and then through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.